Welcome to Misinformation, the podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Oh, yay. We got it right. Yay, we got it right this time. (laughs) Number seven, we got it right. Uh, So uh, Lauren and I accidentally uh, did a boot camp today. Oh, my gosh. My whole body hurts, (laughs) including my lungs, which is on the inside of my body. And we paid to go do this. (sighs) I don't know how you convinced me to do these things. (laughs) We didn't think it was going to be so cardio heavy. We're not runners. No, we are lifters only. (laughs) We do not move quickly. And the girls are like, let's just start off with like we'll a light jog. We'll start off with jog. a light jog. And then they pew. They were <laughs> we were like, this is not a light jog. This like, is please. maximum jogging. It was awful. <laughs> and even to start it, we had to climb all the way up a hill, which I did not know existed no, in Rochester. because it's so flat here Rochester normally. is very flat. And as someone that grew up in a city full of mountains and yes, hills. you did. I, for- um, I keep forgetting. Rochester it, is like nothing. It's like no. Ohio, basically, to yeah, me. Yeah, very flat. That And that is it. I'm but of course, denigrating Ohio right now. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we had to boot camp on the, the highest hill. The highest hill, yes. Yeah. And uh, as we were as we're trekking up this hill, mm. it really, really inspired me uh, oh. because it really felt like a mountain. <laughs> it and did. We, it felt When we awful. got to the top, it felt good. But yeah, it felt... Okay, it felt good to be done climbing, <laughs> if that's what you mean. <laughs> and speaking of climbing, that brings us to our topic today. Oh boy. Today, I'm going to talk to you about mountains. So Lauren. Yes, Julia. There are more than 100 mountains on Earth with elevations greater than 7,200 meters. Okay. Or in America, that's more than 23,600 feet. That's oh a God. lot of feet. That is a lot of feet. Um, and that's all above sea level. Like the, we're not even talking about like mountains that extend into the ocean. Yes. So. Because um, those don't count. <laughs> because we can't see them. With, exactly. With thine own eyes. Um, so the vast majority of these mountains are located on the edge of the Indian subcontinent and in Tibet with some peaks in Central Asia. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of other ones spread throughout the world. Ooh. We're going to talk about those. So t- right off the bat. Okay. Do you know how they measure mountains? Um, oh my gosh, you know what? You never thought about I it? I never, ever thought about it. I just assumed that they sent one guy up one day with like a me- tape measure, you know, like one of those, like those, <laughs> the wheel. Yeah, exactly. The wheel that they roll up. Yeah. Is that how they do it? That is not how they measure mountains. Uh, so they rely on geometric formulas and surveying techniques that really haven't changed too much since the 19th century. Ooh. So to calculate the elevation of a mountain, scientists would measure the distance between two points on the ground and then measure the angles between the top of the mountain and each point. Because if you have two angles, you know the third. Oh, I learned this in like early high school with how do you measure a tree? Like yeah, how you exactly. determine the height of a tree. Okay, yep. cool. Because the, they know that the sum of a triangle is 180 yep. degrees. Um, so surveyors must identify a horizontal surface using a level. And from there, surveyors eye the summit and measure the angle with the assistance of a glorified, highly accurate protractor, which is a telescopic device known as a Theodolite. Theodolite? Spell that for me. T H E O D O L I T E. It that sounds like a type of semi precious stone that someone would ah, like. Yes. A, oh, my ring. Yeah, um, it's theodolite. It's theodolite. Or like some like crazy lady would be like, "Do you need this? It's for it's, positive energy it's a theodolite and theodolite crystal." Health. Yes. It's not, it's guys don't buy things. theodolite crystals they mm. will do nothing for you yeah uh so if the surveyor has the two angles in one side of a triangle using trigonometry they mm. can reveal the lengths of the other sides and thereby the height of the triangle that's cool the mountain uh nowadays they also plant gps receivers but they have to do a lot of complicated math to figure out where sea level is because the earth is not a perfect sphere no it is not so sea level kind of changes across the globe and i'm not going to get into that yeah, today that's fine. uh but just know that you know it's really what you learned in 10th grade math uh just all over again just all over again exactly How funny um well, now the shape of a mountain 
we all and when you picture a mountain in your head yes you you're kind of picturing like craggy kind of like a ice cream cone yeah, yeah. upside down ice upside cream down cone ice cream i guess cone, so it's yeah. like bigger at the bottom and it works its way up to a peak a triangle okay there are more types of mountains than that than that particular Come mountain. on so uh there are two scientists paul elson and his colleague morgan tingley they identified four shapes that describe how mountains areas increase with elevation so they have identified diamond pyramid inverted pyramid and hourglass shapes so um in total more than two-thirds of mountain ranges in the world do not fit with what they call the dominant assumption in ecology and conservation that mountains area simply decreases with elevation so as we're picturing it okay that's only like one third of the mountains in the world are that shape oh my gosh yeah so um diamond mountains uh that's where the area available increases until about midway up and then it gathers into peaks so the rocky mountains are an example of some diamond shaped mountains uh you have the inverted pyramid so they're not very common but um they become less and less steep as they rise and one good example of those are china's kunlun mountains okay there are also hourglass mountains which slope steeply upward and then they flatten out into broad high plains so actually the himalayas are a good example of mm. some hourglass mountains hourglass mountains the, the sexiest mountains the sex obviously <laughs> the, the most uh like socially acceptable a <laughs> mountain's shape yes so yeah. lady mountains can be a pear or an apple yep. or an hourglass <laughs> <laughs> you gotta learn to dress it yeah a-line just skirts for your, just for your for your forest Yep. Mountain yeah, sexy taiga. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I pulled that one out of nowhere. That's that was great. right off the dome. That's anyway, great. I'm Hashtag so sorry. Sexy taiga. <laughs> uh, and then finally, the last shape of a mountain is the pyramid, which is many mountain ranges, about a less than a third in the world, mm-hmm. do follow what we picture as a mountain pattern of pyramid growth. So, like the Alps are a good example sure. of, of pyramid mountains. So, now that you know how to measure them okay. and what shapes they could be. Great. Let's talk about some specifics. Please. So the highest mountain in the world is Mount Everest. Yes. It's known in Nepali as Sagar Metha and in Mm. Tibet as Chomolangma. Oh, those are so much nicer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Its peak is 8,848 meters, which is about 29,029 feet above sea level. Um, and there was a little bit of contention between China and Tibet where the boundaries are as to the official height. Mm. Um, Tibet wanted to claim that it's 8,848 meters because that's the snow height on the mountain. And China thought that it was four meters shorter because <sighs> it's not the rock. They were measuring from the rock height of the mountain. Okay. So I anyway, mean, there's a little bit of dispute. Hairs. But anyway, it's... They measure from the snow height officially. Mm-hmm. So in 1865, Everest was given its official English name by the Royal Geographical Society. Um, it was this recommendation by Andrew Waugh, who was the British Surveyor General of, it- of India. Mm. Um, there appeared to be several different local names for the mountain, uh, but Waugh chose to name the mountain after his predecessor in the post, whose name was Sir George Everest. Not Everest, as we are all been, we have really? all been saying, like a bunch of rubes. Uh, <laughs> it's it's actually Everest, um, although Everest kind of objected to having this mountain named after him. <laughs> really, he didn't want a mountain <laughs> named after him. For surprisingly, that's so weird. Yeah. Um, so there are two main climbing routes. Uh, one approaches the summit from the southeast in Nepal, which is known as the standard route. And the other one is from the north in Tibet in China. Um, so while not posing substantial technical climbing challenges on the standard route, um, Everest presents dangers such as altitude sickness, mm-hmm. weather, wind, as well as significant hazards from avalanches and the Kumbu Icefall. See, okay. This goes again <laughs> with with my fear of this of space and mm-hmm. my fear of the ocean. Why? Why? Why would anyone <laughs> want to like haul their bodies and also the bodies of other people up just to see the top? Right. I can imagine what it looks like up there. It's so high. Ooh, the air is so crisp. And the people oh, look I, like ants. I have such a hard time filling my my lungs with oxygen. <laughs> I can imagine those things. I don't need to get up there to see that. Oh. Also, not for nothing, we have um, 
what are they called? Little helicopters. <laughs> drones. <laughs> drones now to show us those things. That's, That's all true. I'm saying. That's true. Well, I mean, unpopular opinion, but. The, the British explorer George Mallory famously mm-hmm. said when somebody sa- asked him why he wanted to climb Mount Everest, he said, because it's there. Sure. I mean, but that's a not a great, ex- I know, right? It's <laughs> not a great reason. Uh, well, anyway. Well, for these people that decide to, to kind of haul their asses they, up there, to haul their asses up the mountain, they have to pass through the death zone, what? which at the altitude of 26,000 feet and um, even higher up on the mountain too. Um, there are plummeting temperatures, high winds, and sleek ice, which create a deadly gauntlet. Oh Alongside the obvious weather-related hazards is the quick and silent killer, low atmospheric pressure. What? It's coming for you. <laughs> um, there's only about a third as much oxygen to breathe at the top of Everest mm-hmm. compared to sea level. So those without primer without sorry without proper acclimation are likely to lose consciousness within minutes oh my and god and it takes an average of 12 to 14 hours to travel through the aptly named stretch of terrain what yeah um if climbers are forced into a holding pattern too long anywhere in the death zone mm-hmm. their oxygen supplies get exhausted pretty oh quickly my god. and the choice becomes one of admitting defeat or facing a high possibility admit of death. defeat admit <laughs> defeat save yourselves okay uh, do you know how much money they have invested, like people invest to go climb this mountain? I have heard that it is not that it is not for the poor or middle class no. if you want to climb it's, Mount Everest. It can cost anywhere from thirty-five thousand to $220,000. dollars. Oh my gosh, buy a house for- on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? So that price includes the permits, the equipment, and guides to take them up the mountain. Yeah. So basically, once you've invested like $200,000 in this, yeah, I guess you're, you're right. not going to just like turn around when when you, you know, you think your oxygen's running out. Plus all the Sherpas will make fun of you. Yeah. At the bottom. Oh my God. Like, I mean, like look at this like, guy. Like the sissy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally grew up in the death zone. My childhood home is there. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Sherpas, okay, uh, they're an ethnic group from the most mountainous region of Nepal, which is the, called the Himalayas. Mm. Um, Sherpas are highly regarded as elite mountaineers and experts in their local area. They were immeasurably valuable to early explorers of the Himalayan region, serving as guides at the extreme altitudes of the peaks and passes in the region particularly for expeditions to climb Mount Everest. And it's been speculated that a part of the Sherpa's climbing ability is the result of a genetic adaptation to living in high altitudes. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the deaths that occur on the mountain Mm -hmm. are as a result of like altitude sickness and losing consciousness and all the effects of that kind of stuff. And the Sherpas aren't um, usually affected by that. That's very interesting. That's interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Evolution, baby. <laughs> what a thing. <laughs> so the first recorded efforts to reach Everest Summit were made by British mountaineers. Uh, Nepal did not allow foreigners into the country at the time, so the British made several attempts on the Northridge route from the Tibetan side. Mm. After the first reconnaissance expedition by the British in 1921 reached 7,000 meters, so that's about 22,970 feet, on the North Call, so that C-O-L, it's... Um, one of the routes that they call okay. it on the on the face of the mountain, the North Call. Um, the 1922 expedition pushed pushed up the North Ridge route up to 8,320 meters, marking the first time a human had climbed above 8,000 meters. Wow! There were seven porters who were killed in an avalanche on the descent from the North Call during that expedition, though. Uh, two years later, on the 1924 expedition was one of the most quoted mountaineers. We have uh, George Mallory, the guy who said that he'd climb Mount Everest because it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so George Mallory and Andrew Irvine made a final summit attempt on June 8th, but they never returned. <gasps> they uh, kind of just went up and were never seen again. Um, so there was speculation whether they were the first to reach the top, but mm. again... No one knows. They, no one knows. Uh, they had been spotted high on the mountain that day, but disappeared. And in 1999, Mallory's body was found at 8,155 meters. So on they the didn't north reach face. The top. Unless they reached the top, reach the north face turned around. Um, one of the so, oh man, I, 
if we were just talking about bodies on Everest, that would be a whole oh, long, yeah, big bet. topic. Definitely but, make um, that another thing. <laughs> one thing I read said that George Mallory, when his body was found, it it turned out that they discovered that his uh, death was probably caused by one of his ice axes. Like he was falling and like <gasps> tried to like shove the axe into the like ice wall while he was climbing and it accidentally like went into his body instead. Oh my gosh, what a dumb way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so these badasses in the 1920s yeah. didn't have like oxygen with them. Yeah, and, of course you know, not. They were, these were like real, these were real men. Yeah, these were like, like real exploring men. Badasses. And this guy might have accidentally shanked himself with his ice pick. Well, so you know what? Really- I, I really shouldn't critique because sometimes I nearly choked to death on my own saliva <laughs> just from breathing wrong. So I shouldn't be like, man, what a sissy. Because I'm... I'll kill myself or something much stupider. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so there are the first people to officially ascend Everest were Tenzing Norgay, mm-hmm. who is often referred to as Sherpa Tenzing. He was an Indian and Nepali Sherpa mountaineer, along with Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh, they used the Southeast Ridge route. Hillary later reached both the South Pole and the North Pole in his life. Oh, right. Making him the first person to reach both poles and summit Everest. Man. That's crazy. Wow. Um, Time magazine named both Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary among the 100 most influential people of the 20th century. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, The pair buried a few more personal trinkets in the snows of the summit. Uh, Hillary left a small crucifix on behalf of friend and expedition leader Baron Henry Mm -hmm. Hunt. Baron Henry Hunt and Norgay left a collection of chocolates and biscuits for the gods who oversaw the peak. So oh, that's kind of cute. Kind of relating back to how on on the moon some yes. of your astronauts left left some you know some trinkets. Some yeah, it's a very uh, it seems to be a very human thing to be like. Not only I reached the top or I did this thing mm-hmm. that no one else has done. So I'm going to be like, yeah, I did this, but also I'm going to leave some stuff here. So the next person who comes knows that I was first. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, so as of 2016, there are more than 200 corpses on the mountain. Ugh. Yeah. Some they of don't which, bring them back down. Some of which Why serve as landmarks, um, <sighs> including the most famous, whose nickname is Green Boots. Yes. Um, he's likely Indian climber Siwang Paljor. So um, he was on the mountain in 1996 during one of their avalanches and was left there. So um, due to the expense, difficulty, and danger to those removing body, uh, removal of of the corpses is uncommon. So that's pretty, pretty... Yeah, where uh, you lay is where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, More than 290 people have disappeared or died on Everest as a result of avalanches, injuries from falling, exposure, and other health problems as a result of altitude sickness or the snow. Uh, In May 1996, eight climbers died after several expeditions were caught in a blizzard high up on the mountain. And during the 1996 season, 15 people died while climbing Mount Everest. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a whole, and I didn't read the entirety of it for some reason. I think I got distracted, but um, <laughs> there's a there's an outside magazine article mm-hmm. about that. Yep, it's like the, the deadliest year in Everest history or yes. whatever, and it was that. Uh, journalist John Krakauer, who was there on assignment from Outsider Magazine. There you go. Um, he was in one of the affected parties, and soon after, he wrote the bestseller Into Thin Air, which related his experience on the mountain. That's really cool. So 1996 had the highest number of deaths until 2014. Uh, in April 2014, 16 Nepalese climbers were killed by an avalanche <sighs> in the Kumbu Icefall. Um, an overhanging wedge of ice the size of a Beverly Hills mansion broke loose from an ice bulge. What? And came crashing down. And yeah, that'll them. kill yeah. you. Yeah. Um, in response to the tragedy, numerous Sherpa climbing guides walked off the job and most climbing companies pulled out in respect for the Sherpa people mourning their loss. Um, a year later in April, 2015, a massive earthquake in Nepal caused an avalanche that killed 22 climbers. There was a second earthquake in May. And after that, the government shut down routes on the mountain. Um, it has since been reopened and the Mm -hmm. Sherpa guides have been granted marginally better wages and insurance for their troubles. So, um, last thing to tell you about Everest, there's a lot of trash and a lot of waste on Everest. Yeah, I believe so. That. Other than the corpses yeah. that you will that you will pass as you're climbing the mountain, uh, there's a problem with human waste. Mm. 
Oh, <sighs> yeah. You know what? I never thought of that. Yeah, but you're right. it, it, they just said it's like just. Ah, I don't know. Like they call, like they call it, like rivers of oh of human no. waste. Oh. Like as you're climbing, that's disgusting. Yeah, it is super disgusting. Um, so there's also anodyne waste, like spent op- spent oxygen tanks, mm-hmm. abandoned tents, and empty cans and bottles. Um, and nowadays, the Nepalese government ne- requires each climber to pack out about eight kilograms of waste when descending the mountain. So yeah, yeah bring it it's back. Like because the stuff. Uh, as you're, you know, you don't want to carry empty yeah. oxygen tanks down the mountain because that's like when you're at your sickest kind yeah. of is when you're fighting that altitude sickness and stuff. And mm-hmm. so the less you have to carry, the yeah. easier it is for your body to kind of process the oxygen and stuff. So that's why they le- they have left all the, all this debris and... Um, things also get like frozen into the landscape, which, which is one of the things they say is like one of the worst parts about like um, coming back and uh, removing any of the bodies that are on the mountain is they have kind of become yeah, they're stuck like into in it. it. Oh God. It's, oh my God. I don't what know a why. terrible place. Yeah. There have been some people who have um, kind of climbed it with helicopters nowadays oh, to yeah, get yeah. past like the more dangerous like ice fall parts of the route. Yeah, rich people. But like now like you think about it now. Think about it now. Like we got these helicopter people. Yeah. We got people with oxygen tanks. We got people paying two hundred thousand yeah. dollars to climb this mountain. And then you think back to like the nineteen twenties when you have these just like rugged British men with yeah. coats. And that's it. And yep. some and dried like some ropes. Yeah, and some maybe. jerky mm-hmm. and a some hard sherpa. Yep, and a sherpa. And, and now it's friggin' Disney World yeah, over there. Just so that people can say that they did it. So it's ugh. everyone leave Everest alone. Okay? <laughs> leave it alone. Leave it alone. You've seen pictures. Give it we a have rest. mini helicopters yes, now. That's true. <laughs> so uh I know that some of that was I don't know, some some sad heavy stuff That's but right. uh i'm gonna tell you a, l- a little mini break to tell you some interesting mountain facts okay. just like singular facts cool lay it on so me. the scottish highlands and the appalachian mountains in the eastern u.s are part of the same mountain chain <gasps> you are blowing my yeah. mind right now yeah so it's like a one of those big mushrooms that have the like the giant mushroom that has like a it's all the roots are like all connected and yeah. it's one big mushroom over the course of like several yeah. miles. So is it tra- that what it you is? know, it travels under the ocean and stuff, yeah. but it's, um, mountain ranges are, uh, determined by like the tectonic plates. Oh, okay. So, yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, Scottish Highlands, Appalachian huh. mountains, part of the same mountain chain. That's cool. Um, there is a mountain in Australia called Mount Disappointment. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> that's how I feel about mountains. <laughs> well, the explorers who first reached its summit found the view to be subpar. <laughs> <laughs> How much of an asshole do you have to be where you climb a mountain and then you go, yeah. look at this garbage view, please. I could do better than this. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to butcher this one. I'm sorry okay. to all our listeners in New Zealand. <laughs> um, in New Zealand, there is a mountain called Taumata waka tangi hangi kaua tamatia poke when you akatina alu. Its name translates to the summit where Tamatea, the man with the big knees, the slider, <laughs> climber of mountains, the land swallower who traveled about, played his nose flute to his nose loved one. <laughs> At uh, 85 characters, it is the longest place name found in any English-speaking country, and wow. it is the second longest place name in the world. I can't say it again. That's a story. That's not a title. <laughs> That's not a name of an object. That is the big knees. Now, did he have big, like, was it big? <laughs> and I'm sure you don't know the answer to this, but my question is, were they like fat knees, you know, Ooh. where they were like bulbous That's knees and they were like fat knees over here. Well, I mean, if I think maybe if you're like lying down on your back and your knees are bent, they kind of look like mountains, right? Yeah, but but this guy had big, what, <laughs> his knees were so big, big that it's in the title of the, it's in the name of the mountain. <laughs> that, is, that is actually like the first qualifier, <laughs> like besides land swallower and yeah. nose flute player, like big knees. Also, I don't know if I want to see what a nose flute does. <laughs> Is that a flute made of nose or is that a flute you play with your nose? Oh, I'm picturing like play with something your nose. you breathe into. Oh, okay. Maybe. Like a... <laughs> See, we're playing the nose flute right now. 
if our <laughs> if any of our listeners out there want to <laughs> enlighten us <laughs> please tweet us at misinfopod <laughs> on twitter oh so Gosh. that was a little little mini break of mountain facts um do you know what the highest unclimbed mountain in the world is? Oh, what, completely unclimbed? Yeah, unclimbed. Oh, I don't know. Where? It's called Gangkar Pansum. Mm-hmm. It is in Bhutan. Oh. Um, it is about 24,836 feet by our you know, calculations. Yeah. It is the 40th highest mountain in the world. Uh, but it can be described as the highest unclimbed mountain. Okay. So why hasn't it been climbed? Yeah, that was going to be my next yeah. question. Um, it's partly due to its incredibly remote nature mm. and the fact that despite its size, it was for quite some time difficult to find. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, there's a mountain here. <laughs> oh crap. Uh, so it was first mapped in 1922, but later maps marked it in different positions and at various heights. And you yeah. know, there was a little bit of discrepancies here and there. And Bhutan has never conducted its own official survey. So now we have the satellites and we have GPS oh, and all that kind of stuff. So sh- shouldn't it be easy to track down and climb it? Yeah. You would think. Uh, well, Gangkar Panam also lies in disputed political territory okay, on, that was the, be on the border guess. between Bhutan and Tibet. Mm-hmm. So Bhutan says the mountain is entirely within its territory, but China claims that China claims that half of it lies in Tibet and is therefore Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1994, Bhutan banned the climbing of all mountains higher than like 19,000 feet for out of respect for local religious beliefs. So sure. like I think maybe the higher up, the closer you were to the... To the gods. To the gods. Yeah, that makes maybe sense. Maybe that was disrespectful. Um, in, in 2003, they prohibited mountaineering entirely. Oh, wow. So you can't go climb a mountain in Bhutan right now. I, I can't? You can't. Now that you tell me that I can, I'm gonna, I want to do it so bad. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> I don't want to climb any mountains. Come on. Oh, man. Um, so I, in the 1980s, there were some, there were some attempts at expeditions, but they were un- unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last attempt made on the mountain didn't even reach it. Um, China gave permission for a Japanese expedition to attempt Gangar Pansum in 1998, but then Bhutan revoked the permit and eventually the expedition went off and climbed a nearby mountain instead. Uh, so that mountain <laughs> yeah, like, is smaller. Guys, let's just go to this one over here. Yeah. So they, you know, they got lost, climbed a different mountain. Yeah. Uh, and before, the Japanese had were successful with that one. That mountain had been unclimbed, so it's probably only a matter of time before somebody sneaks in to Bhutan and 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 is the first to like plant a flag at the top of Gangar Sure, Pansum, but yeah, just because they want to do it. Yeah. So uh, well, the largest unclimbed mountain in the world is in Bhutan. Interesting. The highest mountain outside of Asia is Aconcagua. Okay. Aconcagua. Um, it is six thousand nine hundred sixty-two meters, or twenty-two thousand eight hundred forty-one feet. It is the highest point in both the Western Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. It's located in the Andes Mountain Range in Argentina. Okay. Aconcagua is believed to have the highest death rate of any mountain in South America. Around three people die there a year. It has earned it the nickname Mountain of Death. And more than 100 people have died on Aconcagua since records began. So, wow. Yikes. Uh, The highest mountain in North America is Denali in Alaska. It's formerly called Mount McKinley. Yes, that's Uh, true. In 1896, a gold prospector named it Mount McKinley in support of then presidential candidate William McKinley. And that name was the official name recognized by the U.S. government from 1917 until 2015. Mm -hmm. So in August 2015, following the 1975 lead of the state of Alaska, the U.S. Department of the Interior announced the change of the official name of the mountain to Denali. Nice. And prior to this, Alaskans had already referred to the mountain as Denali. Yeah. Uh, the first verifiable ascent to Denali Summit was in 1913. In 1951, Bradford Washington, sorry, Bradford Washburn, pioneered what's considered to be the safest and easiest route, which is called the West Buttress Route, and it remains the most popular currently in use. Nice. On September 2nd, 2015, the U.S. Geological Survey announced that the mountain is 20,310 feet. 6,190 meters high. Um, not what it was previously measured as in 1952 using photogrammetry. Photogrammetry? Photogrammetry? Photogrammetry. Sure. So it's actually lost 10 feet in, you know. It got shorter. Survey. It got shorter because mm. they, they thought that the people taking pictures and figuring out the angles and stuff didn't they get were it wrong. Right. Um, Jeez. One last bit of... Uh, 
trivia <laughs> about Denali. Okay. Uh, the Secret Service used Denali as Sarah Palin's code name during the 2008 election. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and now we're, we're jumping continents. We're okay. going to Africa. Ooh. The highest mountain there is Mount Kilimanjaro. Of course. It's located in Tanzania. It rises approximately 4,900 meters or 16,100 feet from its base to 5,895 meters or 19,341 feet above sea level. Um, It is a dormant volcano um, comprised of three volcanic cones, which is Kibo, the highest, Mawenzi at 5,149 meters, and Shira, the shortest at 4,005 meters. Mawenzi and Shira are extinct, while Kibo is dormant and could erupt again. Oh, my God. Uh, Uhuru Peak is the highest summit on Kibo's crater rim. So, uh, everybody in Tanzania, (laughs) keep safe. Watch for some ash. Wasn't there wasn't there a dormant volcano that blew in the seventies and um oh, girl, we're gonna get there. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh <laughs> yep. I'm I'm jumping ahead again. I'm sorry. I don't have your paper in front of me. Uh, no, you're good. Um fun fact about Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. In uh May twenty sixteen, a pepperoni pie with extra cheese was delivered to the peak of Mount Kilimanjaro. What? The first leg of the trek began on May 5th at Pizza Hut's new Dar es Salaam location in oh Tanzania, whose opening marked the chain spread into 100 countries. So the pizza was made. From there, it was flown from the local airport to Kilimanjaro International, oh my gosh. driven to the base of the mountain, and delivered by five professional guides to a base camp at 16,000 feet. Waiting at the base camp was Pizza Hut Africa's general manager, Randall Blackford, and two of his colleagues. Together, they finished the hike to the top, <laughs> breaking the Guinness World Record for highest elevation pizza delivery on oh land. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was delivered in a specially designed battery-heated pack that kept the box level during the hike. So it was warm? It was warm. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't that nice? So we hiked a, all the way to that mountain, top of that man, mountain, a, and we're greeted with a piping hot slice of pepperoni. What a waste of time too, and resources. Yeah, too bad it was Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, too bad it was Pizza Hut. Sorry. Sorry, sorry Pizza, Pizza Hut. Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Not sorry. All right. A couple that's more sorry. interesting mountain facts. Uh, the moon Titan, which is a moon of Saturn, has mountains named after mountains from J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Like Stephen I said. Stephen could probably name some of them to Stephen us. Stephen could but- probably name them. And also, again, like I said before in our space episode, NASA people have hearts of poets and they love <laughs> literature. So it makes yep. sense. Those nerds. Those we start starting beef with nasa uh the highest mountain in the known universe is olympus mons which is a giant volcano on mars it's almost three times the height of mount everest olympus mons is calculated to be 15 miles high and 388 miles across it's wide and flat resembling a vast island in a sea drained of water isn't that cute? Oh, yeah. Uh, the crater on the top is 45 miles wide and nearly two miles deep. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Uh, next up for everybody is, <laughs> yeah, is up hiking Mars. Olympus Mons. Yikes. Uh, the tallest mountain in the Netherlands is an active volcano what? located in the Caribbean. Wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? You really, yeah, you really gave me, uh, that was a twist. Yeah, it's uh, Mount Scenery, which is in the Caribbean Netherlands. Nice. Formerly known as the Antilles. Because I was going to say, there's no, there couldn't possibly be any mountains in the Netherlands. (laughs) That's crazy. It's very flat there. It is very flat. And then uh, finally, a Maryland is a mountain or hill in the United Kingdom, Republic of Ireland, or Isle of Man, with a prominence of at least 150 meters, regardless of absolute height or other merit. A Monroe is a mountain in Scotland with a height of over 3,000 feet. So you got a Maryland and you got a Monroe. Oh. The oh. British did this on purpose. They did it on yeah. purpose? Guys, yeah. you got better things to do. These geological guys, they... <laughs> You know, they have a little sense of humor. Oh, that's cute. Um, all right. And so the last thing I'm going to talk about are the seven summits. So okay. I've talked about a couple of them here already. The seven summits are the highest mountains of each of the seven continents. Okay. So summiting all of them is required as a mountaineering challenge. Mm-hmm. First, achieve, 
first achieved in April of 1985 by Richard Bass or Bass. What would you say if it's someone's last name? If I was just yeah, reading read it, it yeah. I'd probably say Bass. Okay, Richard Bass, okay. like the fish. Okay. Great. Uh, the seven summits are composed of each of the highest mountain peaks <clears throat> on each of the seven continents. Different lists actually include slight variations, but oh. generally the same core is maintained. Um, the seven summits depend on the definition used for a continent, in particular, the location of the border of that continent. So this results in two points of variation. The first is Mont Blanc for Europe, which is west of Russia, versus mm-hmm. Mount Elbrus, which is in southern Russia. So it's people kind of debate you know, where the which, continent itself ends, so which of these mountains is taller. And the other one is whether um, uh, the Australian one is just on mainland Australia or also includes Oceania. Oh, okay. So um, that can result in either Mount Kosciuszko in in Australia or Punkak Jaya, also known as the Karstens Pyramid Mm. um, in Oceania. So there are several possible versions of the seven summits that way. So the concept that Bass and his climbing partner Frank Wells were pursuing was to be the first to stand atop the highest mountain on each continent. Again, sure. this is pretty... So they can see stuff. Yep, so they can see stuff. <laughs> uh, they pursued this goal as they defined it. So here's what they climbed. Aconcagua for South America, mm-hmm. Denali for North America, Kilimanjaro for Africa, Elbrus for Europe, Vincent for Antarctica, Kosciuszko for Australia, and finally, Everest for Asia. Do you always have to do Everest last because it's the biggest? Or is it yeah, you can maybe go it's, in any maybe order? Yeah, you're like warming up. Yeah, yeah. You just start with the shortest and move your way up to Everest. <laughs> or, or like we do at the gym, we do the hardest thing first. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last and thing then we just do is like TikToks. Coast. Yep, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So um, that is all of the information that I wanted to give to you right now. Great. Thank about- you mountains well it comes up a lot in pub quiz it does mountains and then we have to be like well you know and then we got to draw a map and like what's the highest mountain here and then you know and we can never there's never a system and i feel like you've created a system julia thank you thanks i appreciate yeah by memorizing the seven summits you should be pretty good on 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 what's at least the tallest on each continent interesting well thank you that was very good so now it's time for the quiz i'm excited about this quiz my quiz is titled Purple Mountains Majesty. This is a quiz on shades of violet, American mountains, and Prince Nelson Rogers, as known as Prince. May he rest. Question one. Tyrian purple, also called imperial purple, was a dye originally extracted from the shells of what type of marine gastropod in ancient Phoenicia? Question two. Mount Whitney is the highest mountain summit in the contiguous United States. In which state is it located? Question three. When Doves Cry and Let's Go Crazy were the first two hit singles off of what 1984 Prince album? Question four. The dye Movine was invented accidentally by chemist William Perkins in 1856 when he was attempting to create an artificial form of what type of malaria medicine, now commonly used as a flavor component of tonic water? Question 5. To which North American mountain range does Mount Rainier belong? Question 6. Prince changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol during his contract dispute with his label between 1993 and 2000. During this time, he was also referred to as the artist formerly known as Prince or the artist, but in print, he was represented by the symbol. What is the two-word name of this symbol? Question 7. The highest summit in the Rocky Mountains is Mount Elbert in the state of Colorado. However, there was some contention in the mid-20th century by factions who believed that this other mountain to its north was actually taller, and people even went so far as to pile rocks at the top of the summit in order to officially boost its height. Name that second tallest mountain, which ironically has a synonym for humongous in its name. Question 8. Here's three true or false statements. I'm going to name three shades of purple, and you tell me if these were ever produced by Crayola as a standard Crayola crayon color. The first one, 
Maximum Purple. The second one, Awesome Aubergine. And the third one, Purple Mountain's Majesty. Question nine, it's multiple choice. In what year did Mount St. Helens have its major eruption, killing 57 people and causing destruction across Washington state? Was it A, 1976, B, 1980, or C, 1982? And finally, what American singer, songwriter, and king of satire was repeatedly refused permission by Prince to develop parodies of his hits? I'll give you about a minute to think about your answers, and then we'll be back. Are you ready for some answers? I am. All right. I know a bunch of these. I'm Laura, very excited. Yeah. Great. Uh, so Tyrian purple was a dye originally extracted from the shells of what type of marine gastropod? That is a murex. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also known as a sea snail mm-hmm. to, to our non-science <laughs> science people, people, listeners. So, yes. Yeah. The um, the dye was greatly prized in antiquity mm-hmm. because the color didn't easily fade. Um, instead, it became brighter with weathering and sunlight, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, in nature, the snails use the secretion as part of their predatory behavior in order to sedate prey, but they also secrete this substance when attacked by predators or physically antagonized by humans. Yes. So therefore, the dye can be collected either by milking the snails, mm-hmm. which is really labor intensive, but yes. it makes it a renewable resource, or by collecting and destructively crushing the snails. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Question two, uh, in which state is Mount Whitney located? Is that Oregon? It's in California. California. Uh, In July 1864, members of the California Geological Survey named the peak after Josiah Whitney, who was the state geologist of California and the benefactor of the survey. It's pretty good, you know, suck up to your boss by naming yeah, a mountain right. after him. This guy wanted the mountain to be named after him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question three, when doves cry and let's go crazy, were the first two hit singles off of what Prince album? Uh, that would be Purple Rain. It is Julia. Purple Rain. Um, Great movie. Actually, it's not a great movie, but the soundtrack great is album. fabulous. Yeah. Uh, so Purple Rain regularly ranked among the best albums in music history. Absolutely. And it is widely regarded as Prince's magnum opus. Mm-hmm. In 2012, the album was added to the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry list of sound recordings that are culturally, historically, yep. or aesthetically important. Yes. Which is pretty cool for it being like really a modern thing. Yeah, that absolutely. Regist- sound registry is a lot of like early sound, early sound recordings yeah. or like the soundtrack to the wizard of Oz. And, yeah, you know, exactly. Stuff like that. So to, to have purple rain be, be so highly regarded, it's a pretty big deal. And, uh, and your girl, Lauren, she can sing every word, by the way. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start with track one. Let's go crazy. <laughs> so, uh, question four, the dye movine was accidentally invented by chemist William Perkins. Uh, what was he attempting to create at the time like type trying, of malaria medicine uh quinine it was yeah sorry we, we quinine just keeps popping I know, up it pops up a lot well, it's, a, yeah. it's an important thing um so yeah this, he was trying to create artificial quinine um this turned out to be the first man-made synthetic dye or aniline dye mm-hmm. and it was also called perkins movine or aniline purple uh question five to which north american mountain range does mount rainier belong I do not know. That is part of the Cascades Mountain Range oh. in uh, in Washington. I always forget about the Cascades. So uh, Mount Rainier is a large active stratovolcano. <laughs> its most recent recorded volcanic eruption was between 1820 and 1854. Uh, it's currently listed as a decade volcano or one of the 16 volcanoes with the greatest likelihood of causing oh great loss God. of life and properly 
property if eruptive activity resumes. Yeah. So a decade volcano, it was named as such because the project was initiated as part of the United Nations sponsored international decade for natural disaster reduction in the 1990s. So So it's not like it's going to blow in a decade. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. And I feel like that is misleading (laughs) and terrifying. They should probably like put that into like an acronym or something. Sure. Yeah. Because when you say decade volcano, people think (laughs) the countdown started at some point. Yeah. So uh, maybe keep an ear out. (laughs) People who live near Mount Rainier. Yeah. No kidding. You're probably okay for now. Uh, question six, uh, what was the two word name of the symbol that Prince used as his name? You know what? You don't know the I name? I don't know. You could draw it easily. I yeah, could draw everybody it in could a draw second. It it's in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the love symbol. Oh, yes, of yeah. course. Well, so him. Yeah. Um, I mean, so <laughs> RIP. Prince explained that he changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol to emancipate himself from his contract with Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And he had done it out of frustration because he felt his own name now belonged to the company. Mm-hmm. So actually, in order to use the symbol, a combination of the symbols for male and female um, in print media, Warner Brothers had to organize a mass mailing of floppy disks with a custom <laughs> font to like everybody <laughs> who ever might write about this yeah. or, you know, radio stations. Because uh, I do remember it showing up in print. Like it was in the newspaper as like a teeny, teeny yep, little that's symbol. A, that's thanks to Warner Brothers and their oh mail some floppy disk fonts. Should have just given so, him what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> he did return to performing as Prince in mm-hmm. 2000 though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Question seven. Uh, We have some competing mountains in the state of Colorado. uh, Mount Albert. And uh, can you name the the other one? I cannot. It's called Mount Massive. Mount Mount Massive? Massive. Yeah. It's actually only like 12 feet shorter, but like. I guess, is a mountain shorter than another mountain? I guess, a, I guess yeah. it can be. So anyway, Mount Massive question. is 12 feet shorter than Elbert. Um, so fans of Mount Elbert found out about that people on Mount Massive were like doping the rocks, basically <laughs> like piling rocks on top of the mountain. What is going on yeah. with your life when yeah. you are well, a mountain fan? Mountain fan, yeah. <laughs> You're a fan of a mountain. <laughs> so yeah, the the Elbert fans would, Elbert. would climb Mount Massive and hike it just to knock down piles of rocks that the Mount Massive fans had piled on. So this one, on for several years uh but officially mount albert remains the tallest okay uh question eight uh true or false was this a ever produced by crayola as a standard crayola crayon color okay first maximum purple true true yes it was produced from 1926 to 1944 uh awesome aubergine i'm gonna say false it is false yeah because that sounds like something you made up I was like, aubergine, that's Julia. <laughs> and finally, uh, Purple Mountains Majesty. That is true, because I remember when that came out. Heck yeah. Yeah, true. It has been produced from 1993 to the present. Okay, multiple choice question. In what year did Mount St. Helens have its major eruption? Is that A, 1976, B, 1980, or C, 1982? I'm, okay. I'm going to stick with what I had mentioned before. I think it's 1976. Okay. It is B, 1980. So close. Uh, At the time, the mountain lost more than 1,200 feet in height. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's like a half a mile almost. So. No. Take that back. (laughs) Quarter of a mile. (laughs) It's all right. No one. No one's listening to this. So my 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 former boss and friend Jeff mm-hmm. Mayer, shout out to Jeff Mayer, Syracuse University. Um, he's originally from Oregon, and he tell has told me the story of his um, mother driving in the car, um, near near ish to Mount St uh-huh. Helens, and by nearish I mean like you know hundreds of miles yeah. away. But you could see, I guess she she was like driving, and it had blown, <laughs> and like the ash in the air was like a big, like it looked like a yeah. mushroom cloud yeah. of ash and explosions. That's really like famous like photos from that time. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, and you know, obviously you didn't have any internet or anything mm-hmm. like that. So she was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> like, could you imagine you're going about your day and it's and just, you look in your rear view mirror yeah, and you're like, Oh my God. Yep. It's like Mad Max. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a really big event. Mm-hmm. Um, more than 1.5 million metric tons oh of sulfur God. dioxide were released into the atmosphere. I know that they like the ash fell like across yeah, the whole like continent basically. Um, and the volcanic explosivity index measures eruptions on a scale of zero to eight. The 1980 Mount St. Helens was rated a five. Holy, that's 
like sh- for an inhabited yeah region yes and i i had heard and i made this might be wrong but i had heard that it like screwed with the weather oh like, yeah globally yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. years and years afterwards yep. so uh be on the lookout for another <laughs> volcanic explosion can i tell you to. how glad i am that we live in this region, the breadbasket of America. Well, actually, it's the we get Atlantic. a lot of blizzards, but we get we get blizzards, but like snow melts, <laughs> ash doesn't. <laughs> that, that shit gets in your lungs and covers your home and everything you love. So, I mean, what's the trade-off? We so. are anti-volcano here at yes. this podcast. If you haven't, yeah. If you haven't so if that you out. if you love volcanoes, I'm sorry. This is not the podcast for you. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, finally. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> what American singer, songwriter, and king of satire was repeatedly refused permission by Prince to develop parodies of his hits? Is it Chappelle? Is it Dave Chappelle? No. Or is it, is it Weird Al? It is Weird Al. Weird well, Al yeah. Yankovic. So uh, Yankovic had stated in interviews prior to Prince's death in 2016 that he had approached him every few years to see if he's lightened up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we both saw that 30 Rock episode with Weird Al, where oh, Weird yeah. Al parodies Jenna's song. I mean, that's how you know you're famous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like most people are, you know, perfectly happy yeah. to, to let Weird Al and it's, do something to your yeah. song. It's I mean, great. who's going to say no to Weird Al? He's loved by yeah. teen boys and former teen boys all over these United <laughs> States and presumably Europe. Uh, so. Basically, just Prince yeah. said no to him. So, uh, that's, that's our quiz that I learned so much about mountains. Oh, today. I'm so glad. So, uh, yeah, we hope you learned a lot about mountains today. Maybe a little bit about crayons. Um, so, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google play or Stitcher or yes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we are at miss info pod on Twitter. We are miss info pod at Gmail. If you want to shoot us an email and, um, we are also, what else? What else are we on? We have a website. Oh, we have a website, missinfopod.com. That's where you can stream our podcast as well as all of the aforementioned Yeah. Platforms. So if you like want to share this with like your mom or your aunt or uncle and they're not super technologically advanced. Speaking from um, experience. You can just tell them the website. Yes. And they can just like listen from the website. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're really trying to get that, um, that, that key demographic of like 50... <laughs> to 75 so <laughs> want that sweet retiree cash <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh man. but anyway thank you well, for yeah. listening thank you for listening we'll see you next time bye bye